This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Lots to get to. A lot of games last night and a lot of controversy. If you saw my tweet earlier today, and if you're a fan of the San Jose Sharks, the Philadelphia Flyers, and maybe even the Edmonton Oilers, you were not thrilled with the officials last night. Edmonton ended up winning their game. We'll talk about that in just a second. But let's start with the controversy between the Philadelphia Flyers and the Ottawa Senators. And I'm not sure if you got a chance to see it. And I'm sure when it comes to the goaltender interference, everybody's going to have their own theory on what should and shouldn't be. The goaltender interference penalty, or in this case, non-call of the goaltender interference that or, or actually the call of the goaltender interference that erased uh, a tally for Philadelphia is always going to be in the eye of the beholder. So uh, I don't really get too crazy when this happens. But yesterday on the goaltender interference, I, I got to be honest with you, I, I didn't see it. Now, the letter of the law is not just making contact with a goaltender. And it was a, it was a shot from the point by Brandon uh, Manning that could have made the game 4-3 Ottawa. And as it turned out, they ended up losing the game 5-4. Ottawa came right back and scored to make it 5-2, so it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. But considering the fact that Philadelphia lost by a goal, it's something to bring up. There was contact, but in my opinion, Anderson still had enough time to establish himself after the shot was taken. Obviously, that's not what people uh, in Toronto and the officials that eventually call it. Because the way that it works, Toronto supplies them the video. The officials, the referees in this case, will take a look, and then they will get a second chance to look at it. They didn't call goalt interference on the call. It gets reviewed by uh, Guy Boucher. They take a second glance at it, and it ends up uh, being goaltender interference in their opinion. So take Toronto out of it. Toronto supplies the video, but it's the officials getting a second glance at it, and they determine that it was goaltender interference. The same way that if a referee had a second chance to take a look at a pass interference, or if a basketball official had a second chance to look at a foul, they get a second glance at it. I disagree. I believe that there might have been some contact, but that was well before the shot was, was taken and that eventually Anderson didn't see the puck because he was screened, which is the right thing to do if the Philadelphia Flyers get traffic in front. So there's that. But I, I think there's less of an issue because that's still a judgment call. So we can't get roped into video replay of black and white. This is one of those rare replays of giving the official a second chance to look at their call. So they could have very easily called it live. Which not which not have been reviewable. So, fact is, it's a judgment call. Okay, I guess you live with it. They come right back. Does Ottawa? They get the goal from um, Pajot, or excuse me, by Stone, and they retake the three goal lead again. And it looks like it's going to be no big deal. And then there is a goal that could have been scored late. Couturier scores to make it 5-4. Then it appears that Couturier, from behind the net, flips it around Anderson, who gloves it down near the goal line. Looking at the replay, logic would tell you where the puck was in his glove, and if you didn't see it, he's got kind of a mesh glove, so you can see the puck in his glove. 
looking at where the glove was, where the puck was in the glove, it was over the line. It should have been a goal. Now, the rule is you have to see white between the goal line and the puck. But in this case, you weren't going to be able to see that because it was technically in his glove. So theoretically, you don't see the gap, but you know it's there based on the geometry of where the puck is in his glove, where the glove is in relation to the goal line. should have been a goal. I mean, logic tells you that's a goal. So that should have been a 5-5 game, and Philadelphia, considering how late in the game it came, could have earned a point in the standings. Now, I'm not a Philadelphia Flyer fan. I'm a fan of hockey, but I can understand the frustration on the goaltender interference, add insult, the injury, the goal that could have tied the game. That's going to infuriate a lot of people. And replay is bothering people even more because before replay, you had to live with whatever the call was on the ice. Now we have replay, but yet there's still discussion. Oh, we need replay on goaltender interference, but it just causes even more controversy. We need replay on whether it's offside or not, but it creates too long of a delay, and even sometimes then you're not really sure. I'm a fan of replay, but when you when it looks like you got it this wrong, it's going to frustrate people. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think there's ways to make it work. But you wish that there was the technology. If you remember the glowing puck that Fox had that everybody laughed at 25 years ago, they had the technology to brighten the puck for television. Could you still have that technology that can expose the puck and the definition of the puck when it's obscured by a glove, by a pad, by a body, and then you could say, all right, here's the puck, it's glowing, Here's the dynamiter of the puck in relation to where it is in the net. Let's catch up with the technology here. Again, it's at the end of the world. It's October. I'm sure Philadelphia is is going to forget about all this if they play well enough. But you will look back, and it's a possibility in this Eastern Conference that a team could miss the playoffs by a point, and you will go back to that game October 26th in Ottawa in which they could have escaped with a point and didn't. Now, similar situation with the San Jose Sharks and the Boston Bruins, where it did look, at least to me, watching the game, that there was a what they should have been a delay of game penalty on the Boston Bruins. Hudobin went back into the net and knocked the net off the mooring, stopping the play. Now, this is less egregious because of the fact that we don't know if Boston, if if if, if San Jose would have scored anyway. But they were buzzing, should have been a delay a game penalty on Hudobin, and that should have been a power play for the San Jose Sharks late, and it wasn't. So they missed that. So just watching the games last night, I was at Madison Square Garden covering the Rangers and the, and the Coyotes, and we'll get into that, but certainly not happy where the San Jose Sharks and end up losing that game, dropped to under 500 at 4-5. and five. Boston now climbs above 500 at 4-3-1. and one. Driving home last night, <laughs> listening to the Edmonton Oilers and the Dallas Stars. Bob Stalford, who is the color commentator on the radio for the Edmonton Oilers and does a great job with Jack Michaels. They were screaming about how poor the officials were in that game, but the Edmonton Oilers ended up getting the last laugh as they are able to uh, to fight back in this one. 
Uh, they give up the power play goal on a kind of questionable power play, according to the commentary that I heard driving home. Uh, Lindell gets his second. Dallas is up 4-3. But then it's all Edmonton the rest of the way. Ryan Nugent Hopkins gets his fourth at 12-16. Then Matt Benning, who's really trying to find himself here with the Edmonton Oilers and could be a really good player, gets his first goal of the year with less than two and a half to play. And Edmonton ends up winning the game anyway. So I'm sure they were not happy with the officiating in Philadelphia, San Jose, or Edmonton. But Edmonton at least were able uh, to get the two points last night. So let's continue on with the Hurricanes, a 6-3 to win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a little skewed uh, because there were a couple of late goals by McGinn and Juris uh, that put the game away. But this is a very, very fun, competitive game for most of it. I'm telling you, Carolina's a playoff team, and Toronto just got a handful of what this Carolina team can bring to the table. Tara Vinen uh, gets a big goal. Uh, Rask, who had that great start last year, if you remember, gets his second goal. I thought the McGinn goal was just a blistering wrist shot from the far boards uh, that ends up being the insurance goal they're looking for. And in any day, Josh Juris has kind of bounced around this league. Calgary, the Rangers now with Carolina, uh, scores a goal as well to make it 6-3. This is a Carolina team that is just outstanding, and I think they're going to make the playoffs. Again, don't look at the standings that much because they played so few games, but I thought that was a nice win for the Hurricanes over the Leafs. Rangers with a 5-2 to win over the Coyotes, so the Coyotes still winless. Uh, they're the only team in the National Hockey League yet to win a game at 0-9-1, and and watching them, Keller is great. I think that line with Domi and Stepan are going to be a real dominant player, but the problem is is that well over 60% of their offense has come from just that one line. Uh, they're not getting the goaltending because because the injuries to Ronta. Um, Hill played last night. Okay, not great. But, you know, talking to some of the people around the Coyotes, they feel like that there's a lot of patience around Arizona. they got a new coaching staff led by Rick Tockett and John McClain. They've got a new system. They just all got to get on the same page right now, and it's probably going to cost them any chance of being competitive this season. But they do have a lot of good young players. Duclair scored a goal last night. Domi was all over the place, but they just are a little too top-heavy offensively. I like their blue line. Um, really, Goligoski's very good. Uh, certainly, you know what um, uh, uh, Jomerson can do there, formerly of the Chicago Blackhawks, but it's a work in progress with the Coyotes. Congratulations to Rick Nash playing in his 1,000th NHL game. I don't think the Rangers have solved their problems necessarily. We'll have to see as they go to Montreal on Saturday and then welcome in Vegas on Tuesday. But I'll tell you this. Booney Evans, who was the number one star, was at center, and he had three points playing in his second National Hockey League game. And I don't know what he's going to be in the future, but the fact is is that now you have a fourth center. Now you've got Gravner and Bushnevich that have a guy that can feed him the puck. And it's no surprise that both Gravner and Bushnevich were excellent last night, both scoring two goals. When the Rangers were playing with seven defensemen and 11 forwards, Bushnevich and Gravner were on an island. They didn't really have anybody to feed him the puck. They weren't getting the playing time. Now you add them a legitimate center, if indeed Nieves is a legitimate center. Now we can round out and see what the Rangers are going to be with their 12 forwards and their seven defensemen, uh, six defensemen. So let's see how it is going forward. Again, a very winnable game on Saturday in Montreal, although that's been a house of horrors for them. But maybe we should start judging the Rangers now moving forward with these 12 players uh, at forward, and we'll see if it ends up working out for them. Pittsburgh does it again, winning in overtime. Phil Kessel does it again, a 2-1 win over the Winnipeg Jets. 
uh, 7-3-1 and Pittsburgh, but they got the overtime wins galore. So a lot of one-goal games for Pittsburgh, but they're getting it done. We said keep an eye on the Montreal Canadiens. They had that big win over Florida, scoring five goals in the final 40 minutes of the game but then blanked again, shut up by the Los Angeles Kings 4 nothing. They got tons of shots, 40, but Jonathan Quick was outstanding. Jonathan Quick now has more shutouts than any goaltender since the 08-09 season as he broke the tie with Henrik Lundqvist. Now 46 shutouts for Quick, but the Canadians generated some offense, but they cannot finish, and now here's a major problem. They've played 10 games, the Canadians, and have scored 17 goals, and five of them came in that win against Florida earlier in the week, so Montreal's in a bit of trouble. I'll be up in Montreal coming up tomorrow to call the Ranger game and get a chance to see the Canadians firsthand again after watching them at Madison Square Garden earlier in the year, the 2 nothing shutout that I got a chance to call. Another game that was great, Lightning, a 3-2 win over the Detroit Red Wings. Have we ever talked about the Tampa Bay Lightning with Without talking about Nikita Kucherov, who had a goal and an assist last night. What's up with the Ducks? They put a hurting on Philadelphia, and then they go to Florida in a complete no-show. They get blasted 8-3. to Verbata gets a hat trick. Tippett scores his first National Hockey League goal. Panthers now 4-5-0. and uh, they looked awful against the Canadians, and they come back and, and, and thump the Ducks. You wonder about some of these teams. And I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm not trying to cause any controversy, but. Florida's a tough place to go if you got a little downtime because they have a resort out there. You spend time on the beach. Whenever I see a team mail it in against either Tampa or Florida, you begin to wonder, was their mind a little bit more on the ocean than it was on the game itself? But, hey, congratulations to the Panthers on putting up an eight spot. Uh, Wild explode for some goals. That's rare. 6-4 win over the Islanders. It's a couple of games removed from the news that Parisi's going to be out for the next eight, eight weeks because of the back uh, surgery, but uh, good on the Wild. They're all over the Islanders um, in this one as they jumped out to the uh, the 3 to nothing lead on goals by Foligno, uh, Zucker, and Stahl. Bovelier gets them back into it, but then it was over from there, and it was just kind of cosmetic stuff late uh, from Lee and um, Barzell, and good job out of him getting his second goal, and that came very late in the game. So it was a washout for the Islanders, who were coming off the uh, four-point performance early in the week by JT, uh, but couldn't muster anything on the road against uh, the Wild. We told you about the Oilers' 5-4 to win over the Dallas Stars, snapping the Stars' winning streak. They're 5-5-0 five, five, oh to start the season, Dallas. And Dallas is another one. We've talked about this as well. You get Sagan, and you get Ben, and you get Radulov on the ice, and then are they a little too top-heavy, but the Oilers fight back. And the Canucks are developing into a pretty big story here. Four wins in a row. A 6-2 to two win over the Washington Capitals, who very quietly are now under 500 at 4-5-1. and one. And the Canucks are interesting because Derek Dorsett's got six goals. He has scored a goal in five straight games. When you get that kind of production for a fourth-line player, when you get that kind of production from a player that you didn't dream of getting it from, that's when your team starts to win games. Now, is it sustainable? We'll see. I mean, Derek Dorsett is what he is. I liked him with the Rangers. He's a journeyman player. He's a nice, he's a scrapper. He's a grinder. He's a fighter. But if you get that kind of production out of a player like that, you better win games than Vancouver has. So congratulations to the, uh, the Canucks off to a great start. Really surprises me that they have been that good. Are they good enough to be in this week's 
Top five. John LaGreca's Friday Top Five. Yeah! All right, let's look at the five teams now to dive into it. And, and no, I do not have the Canucks just yet as a top five team, although they have won four consecutive games. But before that, they were under 500. But you look at the top five teams, and I am going to start with number five with the St. Louis Blues. They are number five for me. Number five. Jaden Schwartz has been great. He's third in the league in, in scoring. He's got, what is it, seven goals for them this year. They're getting the goaltending, 7-2-1, 15 points. they got a plus-eight goal differential. I've got the St. Louis Blues as the number five team. Number four. Vegas Golden Knights. Now, why four, Don? They're 7-1-0, 14 points. Very top-heavy at home. 5-1-0, their only loss has been at home, but still only two games on the road. They're going on that eastern swing coming up. It'll be interesting to see if they survive that, but still, four is very good for an expansion team. They have been terrific. I think the goaltending could eventually get exposed, but right now, Vegas deserves to be the number four team in the National Hockey League. Number three. Boy, it's tough because do you go with Toronto or do you go with Pittsburgh? Toronto, they have a pension sometimes to giving up way too many goals. But the reason I'm going to go with the Leafs is because despite all the goals they give up, they're still a plus seven goal differential. Pittsburgh's a minus seven, and they've been bailed out by overtime way too much. Last night against the Rangers back at Madison Square Garden, they've had like three or four overtime victories already this season. They've been very average on the road, unbeatable at home. I think Toronto's a little bit more complete, 4-2-0 and at home, 3-1-0 and on the road. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs deserve it, are number three in the National Hockey League. Number two. It's hard not to give it to the Los Angeles Kings. Even though they've only lost once, they're still only number two. But Kempe is scoring goals at a great rate. You've got Kopitar has been terrific for them. Quick, healthy. You saw last night with the 40 saves. Los Angeles, to me, is the best team in the Western Conference at 8-1-1. 17 points, a plus 17 goal differential. It was a very difficult call, but I've got Los Angeles at number two. Why? Number one. Tampa Bay Lightning. 9-1-1. and 19 points. Also a plus 17 goal differential. Also undefeated at home, but completely undefeated at home. They're 6-0-0 to the Kings 4-0-1. And Kucherov has been terrific. The return of Stamkos has been tremendous. Vasilevsky has been great. So I've got the Tampa Bay Lightning at number one. Now I want to hear from you. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Uh, but Dan wanted to ask a question on Facebook, and you could do that as well. Don't spend enough time on Facebook. Maybe we should reconsider that. But Twitter just seems to be a little bit easier. But Dan reached out, and he says they wanted to ask if he can ask a question on Facebook. And I said, sure. He says, great, thanks. You've been talking so much about being a center-driven league. Do you see Lundqvist finishing his career as a Ranger? Seems like he deserves to retire as a Ranger. Thanks, buddy. You're the best in the show. Is incredible. I'm passing the news down here in South Florida. Thanks again. Well, that was great. I appreciate that. And, of course, it used to be a goaltenders-driven league. Now it's more of a center-driven league. I think the Rangers want to see Henrik Lundqvist finish his career as a Ranger. Now, 
Does that mean like you'll have a Brodeur situation where his contract's up, he still wants to play, the Rangers want to move on, and maybe he plays a, a handful of games someplace else? But I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's finishing his contract here with the Rangers. He's got a few years left on it. Uh, they've built so much marketing. He is the face of the franchise. And also, if right now the New York Rangers honestly said, we're done with Henrik Lundqvist, we're going to make a move, they couldn't move him. Not with that kind of a cap hit, $8.5 million cap hit. I don't think anybody wants to kind of bring that along. And I don't think there's a team that feels like they're a goaltender in a way that can spend that much money, that have that much room under the cap to be able to commit to a goaltender that come March is going to turn 36 years old. So whether the Rangers like it or not, I think he is finishing as a New York Ranger. And I think the Rangers are happy about that. And I think Henrik Lundqvist is happy about that. All right, let's go to Twitter. Uh, Harold says, any chance we ever get to stretch game misconduct to an hour? This is my second full season following hockey, and anything under 45 minutes is simply a tease. Well, it's just a matter of uh, me giving, getting the time to be able to do it. But here's what I do. I usually get in here between 1.30 and 1.45 Eastern time here uh, to the ESPN studios, and I try to record as long as I can. Um, I can't do more than what I give you because i got to get prepared for the show. But I'm doing it every day. I wonder, and I'm sure I'll get an answer on Twitter later today, there's a lot of great podcasts out there, a lot, and they all do a tremendous job. But I'm not sure any of them give it to you every single day. So can I give you an hour? No. But can I give you five days a week? Absolutely. So hopefully that balances itself out. Uh, JR says, I'm obsessed with color scheme and logos. Not priority, but you used to give a top jersey. Do you have a top five uniform list? Wow. Whew, that's a good one. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to punch up the standings right now so I can just get a visual on these uniforms. I've always said that the Chicago Blackhawks, to me, have the best uniform. Their logo is great. Uh, the color scheme pops with all the different colors. I'd say that the um, Chicago Blackhawks would have to be number one for me. I'm not sure I can do it in any uh, given order. I mean, the original six all have gorgeous uniforms. I love the Canadians jersey. I love the Ranger blue. Uh, But when you talk about like a logo and a a really nice jersey, the Calgary Flames, when they go to their old 80s jerseys, like I hate when they have those, those lines going up and they've got the black logo. When they go to those traditional, you know, Al McGinnis, Theo Fleury, Lanny McDonald jerseys, uh, that certainly has to be right up there as one of the, the best jerseys in the National Hockey League. I think they're absolutely uh, gorgeous. Um, those are the two that pop out uh, to me. I think Dallas's new uniforms with that lighter green, uh, very good. I wish the Winnipeg Jets would go to their old jerseys, although I do like the blue that they have there. Um, love the San Jose Sharks. More of the traditional jersey. I don't like the black jersey. I like the teal jersey from when they first came into the league. I love the Edmonton Oilers jersey when they incorporate the orange and the blue. Not the greatest combination to call games because, for some reason, the numbers are hard to pick up. But those are some of my favorite jerseys off the top of my head. Thank you for asking about that. Guy, who has been a big fan of the show, says, Good win for the Rangers. Great interview with uh, Dave Gosher on Vegas. I have a question for you. If you were offered a permanent play-by-play gig, radio TV, for one of the 31 NHL teams' expansion, would you take it? Great question. 
I am in a situation in my life right now where I'm very, very happy to be in New York. I've established myself here calling half the Ranger games during the course of the year and doing the Michael K. show and doing the Jets pre and post and just very happy to be a, a New York metropolitan area guy that has not had to leave the area in order to establish myself. So it really would come down, Guy, to a financial decision because in order to take a job with Team X in City Y, that would mean that I would lose a lot of the things that I already have here in New York. That's why it would be a dream to do one of the three teams in New York so I can stay doing the Michael K. show and stay doing the Jets and stay in the New York metropolitan area. But in order to leave, to go to, let's say, if if I pursued the Vegas job and have to leave everything else, it would be very difficult. But it is a dream of mine to do play-by-play. But at the stage of my career, I would have to make the right uh, financial decision and uh, I have put my hat in the ring for jobs when they have opened up, but part of the problem of leaving the area is just that. I'm just not prepared to do it, but I, I would love the opportunity because it would be a dream come true. Uh, Brett says, Rangers need to follow that win up with a win against the Habs. No offense, no offense to your wife, but the Rangers have to beat bad teams. They do, and they beat the Montreal Canadiens already, shutting them out. So, no, they have to win this game. And I'll be interested to see Tuesday against Vegas as well because it's hard to say you have to beat uh, uh, this team because they're 7-1, and one, but it is an expansion team on the road. Uh, but you know what? The Rangers have to start getting back to 500. They're still 3-6-2. and two. They've got a lot of work. But I agree with you, Brett. They have to be 4-6-2 and two going into next week because after Vegas, they go back on the road for back-to-back games against Tampa and the Florida Panthers. So it certainly doesn't get any easier than that. Uh, Kenneth said, thoughts on the Calder race so far and who are your favorites? Well, Patrick's got the upper body injury. That's going to hurt him. Nolan Patrick I'm talking about. And, of course, Heashier is somebody that's going to be into the conversation. I have to take a little bit of a deeper look. There's so many good young players in the league right now. Um, need a little bit more of a sample set. Those are the two that jumped to mind because they were the first two picks uh, in this draft. But there's been a there's been a few players that have had my eye on, and I will give you more of an answer as we get deeper into um the season. Uh, Marcello says, haven't been able to watch NHL while I'm on my honeymoon in Europe. Well, congratulations, Marcello. I didn't know you were getting married, but game misconduct kept me updated. And so thank you. Hashtag go devs. So congratulations on your marriage and honeymooning in Europe. Very nice. Uh, Kyle says, yeah, uh, Hugh Dobin uh, seemed to be able to control himself all night until he couldn't keep uh, knocking the, his own cage off, and we're getting back to the Boston conversation. Yeah, I do think that should have been a delay game penalty, and, and the San Jose Sharks should have gotten a power play. Again, can't say that it cost him the game, because we don't know if uh, San Jose would have been able to score on that ensuing power play, but they should have gotten that opportunity. Michael says, hi, Don, Belgian bo- uh, podcast fan here. What's your take on Heeshier and Nolan's start in the National Hockey League? Well, again, both have gotten off to good starts. We mentioned Patrick uh, Nolan um, Nolan Patrick's having um, some problems with a, with an injury, but Heeshier finally got a first couple of goals. He's been all over the place. I think I mentioned this earlier. I called the Ranger-Devil game, and the Devils were protecting a one-goal lead in the, in the final minute of the game, and they had Heeshier out there. And that's all you need to know. When an 18-year-old is relied upon that much, that tells you what the organization thinks of him. And being around the Devils and talking to Ken Danico and talking to their radio guy, Matt Lachlan, and talking to their television guy, Steve Cangelosi, they could not be happier with the kind of person he is as well, which I think is tremendous. NYR Fanatic says there was a lot of action in the NHL yesterday. Which result surprised you the most? 
That's a good question because I'm not surprised by Carolina's win over Toronto because I think Carolina is a playoff team, so I think that's the kind of win, if you want to say surprise because it was on the road. But I guess the biggest surprise to me is just how the Panthers dismantled the Ducks. Not that they beat them, but they beat them by five goals. And this Canuck team is surprising me too, although Washington has struggled. But Vancouver... I mean, Derek Dorsett's got more assists than Alexander Ovechkin. I mean, who would have thought that would have ever happened? So those are some of the surprises. Uh, Let's see. Holly says, Ducks have been um, ropey lately. I don't know if that means dopey, ropey. I'm not sure what that means. Is it just down to the injuries that they're dealing with from UK fan across the pond? Pun intended. Uh, I the Ducks are weird to me because there are times they're dominant. They they have lost Patrick Eves, which is certainly uh, a miss for them. You know, I look at the Ducks and I had them as the second best team in the Western Conference going in behind Nashville, but they are getting a little long in the tooth. Right, Fowler got hurt, uh, Eves is hurt, but Getzloff's getting older, Perry's getting older. Uh, can Raquel do what he did last year? That's a serious question for them. Uh, I'll keep an eye on the Ducks, but this up-and-down thing is a little disturbing. You go out there and you beat the crap out of Philadelphia, and then you get destroyed by Florida. Uh, it kind of makes no sense to me. James says, any update on the Islanders' move to Belmont? Also, can the Islanders shop Grice? Well, they couldn't shop Halak last year when they tried. I don't know if they can uh, really even afford to give up Grice at this point. I'm hearing good things. Uh, it looks like Ledecky and Malkin are very serious about getting a new arena. There's some rumblings that maybe something can happen out on the island. I will say this to you, James. There's a better chance of them moving out of Brooklyn and staying in the area, meaning the area Long Island or Queens, than leaving Brooklyn and going someplace else like Kansas City or Seattle. I think this team's staying here, and I think they need to stay here if they have any possibility of keeping John Tavares. Uh, Liam says at this point, what would be your most surprised matchup for the Stanley Cup final. Well, obviously, if the Coyotes make it to the Stanley Cup final, I'd be shocked. They haven't won a game so far this year. Uh, so that would be my team in the West. And if the Buffalo Sabres made it in the East, I guess that would be the biggest surprise to me. Um, uh, I don't know if that's what you're kind of talking about. But of the teams that have contended so far, who would I be surprised if they took that step? Well, clearly, as much as I would not have been surprised when the season started, of the Edmonton Oilers going, the way they're playing right now with their inconsistency, it would surprise me now if they were able to wake up enough to be able to get to the Stanley Cup final. Uh, That would surprise me. And when you look at the teams that Toronto, that, that would now surprise me too because Tampa looks like an absolute beast and Toronto's goaltending and just their overall defense scares me a little bit. So at the beginning of the year, I would have thought Toronto and Edmonton were a distinct possibility. But I don't think I can go there now based on how good Tampa's been. And that West looks like it's pretty dominant up top, and Edmonton's got their problems. Toronto doesn't have nearly the problems that that Edmonton does. But would Toronto beat Tampa? Would they beat Pittsburgh in a big spot? Don't know. Out West, I really thought Edmonton could be the team. But with Chicago... A lot of good teams out west, and Edmonton having their problems scoring some goals. I mean, I guess that to 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 answer your question in that way, what was a potential matchup at the beginning of the season? As we close out October, I'm beginning to think not so much. Five minute major. Happy Friday. Here's my not top five teams. How about that? 
Edmonton at five, Rangers at four, Sabres at three, Canadians at two, and the Yotes, that's the Coyotes at one. I like that. I don't like your negativity that you want to have a bottom five rather than a top five, but since you're such a fan of the podcast, I'm not going to go crazy. Uh, Chris says, does the NHL need to further specify goalie interference? I think this needs a little room for interpretation as possible. Uh, I think this needs as little room for interpretation as possible. Chris, you have to look at it this way. They are not reviewing whether contact is made. It's not a cut-and-dried play. All right, see, I think that's where people misunderstand. If you go back a ways, there was the you couldn't have a you couldn't have your skate in a crease. So they'd replay it. Was his skate in a crease or not? Was he forced into the into the crease by someone or did he go in there himself? It was cut and dry. This is more of I'm getting a second chance to look at it to determine whether it really was interference or not. Again, it would be like the NFL incorporating a pass interference review. Not whether there was contact, giving the official a second chance to see if he made the right call live. So you don't have you you have to make it less interpretation would mean to make it cut and dry, black and white. Was there contact or not? Now, if you want to go with that rule, I guess I can live with it. But right now, it's just a second chance for the official to take a look at the play. So that's why there's so much confusion. So you could say, "There's the contact. See, he touched him." That's not what they're looking at. They're looking at did that contact stop the goaltender from being able to make a clean play and make a save that's what they're looking at so that's why there's so much confusion that's why there's so much tension when it comes to this stuff i'm bringing it up to you because i like to stir it up a little bit and i understand coming from a fan standpoint that people are going to be aggravated by that stuff and they're going to feel like their teams are jobbing them and they're going to feel like that nobody wants their teams to win and the american teams are going to say oh they they want the canadians teams to win the canadian teams are saying oh they just want to help the television contract in the united states and it's not the conspiracy theories it's just giving a second glance. And if it causes this much controversy and it's the only replay that actually involves a judgment call, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think there is replay in any sport that is based on judgment. It's all, was he inbounds or out of bounds? Did he fumble or not fumble? Was the knee down or not? Was the ball fair or foul? Was the ball over the wall or not? Cut and dry, black and white. This is the only review that I know of where it is a judgment call. So do not look at goaltender interference replay the same way you look at all the other replay. All right, we got that out. This is a fun week. It really was. Uh, Good for some, bad for others as far as the play of their teams, but I thought we got a lot accomplished and a lot done. Give me your thoughts on my top five. Give me your thoughts on the podcast. Do you want it to be longer? Hey, there might be people out there that want it shorter. I don't know. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. And since we did it for Dan, we'll incorporate Facebook as well. Any way you want to try to get in touch with me, we love it. So we got a big week next week. Monday, of course, will be our weekly with EJ Raddick. And we'll go deeper into the season. Now we get into November now. Now everybody's played double-digit games. Enough of a sample to find out where we are in the National Hockey League. So hopefully you'll climb aboard because this was a lot of fun. So have a great weekend. I'll be in Montreal on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. You can get in touch with me all weekend long. I'll try to get back to you. And, of course, we'll have um, the podcast coming up on Monday. This was the Friday edition of Game Misconduct. 
Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.